I want to start with the book of Romans here, at least give you a prelude to the book of Romans. Wednesday, we're going to start our full study on the book of Romans. We'll be doing that Wednesday nights, but today is a little, a little precursor, a little prelude to the book of Romans. <clears throat> I know when you talk about we're going to study the book of Romans, oh no, oh no, oh no, no, you need the book of Romans. You need the book of Romans. Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, by food, by lunchtime today. Man cannot live by food alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You cannot live healthy and whole and wonderful without God's word. You need to feed on it. You need to learn it. You need to understand it. You need to re-see it, re-read it, re-hear it so that you can be fed consistently, continually, so that you're happy and healthy, all right? So listen, I don't know where you come from. I don't know how long you've been in the kingdom of God. You need God's word if you're gonna live. I was so thrilled to read that scripture. That's Matthew 4. Jesus said you can't live by bread alone. I never knew the second part of that scripture when I was, until I was 26 years old. I only knew the first part. We'd make a joke about man can't live by bread alone, but by pizza, you know, or something. Uh, or what you were drinking. And then I, then I heard the truth. I read, I, read it in the, I read it by myself in the book of Matthew, and I thought, I never knew that's what he's, I never knew the second part of that. So listen, you and I will benefit from learning the word, hearing the word, and feeding on God's word on a daily basis. And if you're having a tough life, you need to add the word of God to your daily diet. You have to, or you just, you just won't get where you need to get to. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> All right, so we're going we're gonna to step through the book of Romans a bit today. So let's, uh, let's recognize the book of Romans is the first book written after the book of Acts. What a marvelous revelation. See, you stick around me, you'll get some revelation. First book after the book of Acts, which is very appropriate because it turns out that Romans is the foundation of explanation regarding our salvation and righteousness. It explains it, and I'm glad it's first, because Acts does not explain it. Jesus did not explain it. Jesus set the tent poles for salvation and righteousness. He set the framework, but without books like the book of Romans, there is no understanding. And so uh, you just have to understand that, that Jesus the way he preached did not include the things that Paul explained. People want to argue, and, and some people want to toss out Jesus uh, preaching, saying it was only to the Jews. Well, it was only to the Jews, but he was setting up tent, tent posts. He was setting up the pillars. He was setting up the, the stakes, the, the columns. He was setting up the, the basis for the New Testament, the New Covenant, but it did not start until he died. So what he did was a little bit limited and, and not understood because no one could understand salvation and righteousness until the Holy Ghost came. Until the Holy Spirit filled people, people could not understand this, this new way. So Jesus set it up uh, so that Paul could come hit the home run. So who's right, Jesus or Paul? They're both right. Don't do that. People want to pit Paul and Jesus against each other, or Paul and Peter again. Don't do that. 
Don't do that. It's all from Jesus. All of this word came from the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He's the one that caused Paul to write what he wrote. Let's not try to discredit Paul and don't discredit Jesus. Jesus set the tenets of this entire new covenant. He just didn't explain it. And that's why he spoke in parables. Jesus said that there's coming a day when I'm not going to speak to you in parables. I'll show you plainly of the Father. Well, he did that through the Holy Spirit, through Paul, Peter, James, John, and Jude, and all the, the, the New Testament letters. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right. So let's just read a couple scriptures and then we'll bounce through the book of Romans. I want to give you a, a little framework for, for Romans, a little, a little precursor, a little uh, preview of Romans here, but it'll help you. Chapter one, verse one, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. That word bond serpent, servant means a property of another. Paul called himself, before Paul said, I'm an apostle, before probably the greatest apostle since Jesus, before he called himself an apostle, he called himself a bondservant, a slave, property of another. That'll help you with apostles today. The title means very little compared to the fact that you're a bondservant of, of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Called would be divinely selected uh, to the discharge of an office. And then it says, verse two, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. He was separated to the gospel of God. The gospel is the good news. You realize that? Paul was separated to the good news of God. Or it's the word evangel. That's where you get the word evangelist from. Glad tidings. Good news that makes you glad. It's really like a message from the battlefield, we won. The good news, the gospel, is the message from Jesus' battle. And what's the message? We won. We won. We win. If it was in the battlefield, there'd be more shouting. I would be shouting, but you need to know that the message is that we won. We beat the devil. We made it to heaven. We became righteous. That's the message. We're saved. We have eternity with God and we have the power to live holy in the earth. You need to add that into your salvation that you now have power to be holy and good every day. Not just Sunday. <clears throat> Hallelujah. The good news is that you were found, not lost, that you're now holy and not unclean, that you're filled and not empty, that you're strong and you're not weak, you're alive and you're not dead. You have eternal life instead of eternal death, and you're filled with the love of God instead of hate. Okay, that's saved. We have a whole track out there that says, what is saved? That's why we do it, so that the sinners out there can recognize everything is reversed when you come into the kingdom. It's kind of like when you play a country song backwards. You play a country song backwards. 
You get your house back, get your wife back, get your dog back. You get saved and your life gets flipped back where it should be. And so you need to all get saved. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. If your friend's not saved, your friend needs to be saved. Praise the Lord. The gospel of God always includes the doctrine of the Bible. The doctrine is connected to Jesus Christ. So you don't just get to have Jesus on the picture above your bed. You got to include his doctrine, his teaching. If you're going to be a successful Christian, praise the Lord. So what, what, what you're going to see in the book of Romans is that it's not sins that keep us from God. It's the sin nature. It's not sins. It's not little sins, big sins. Mine aren't so big type sins. It's not just little accidental things you do. It's not even purposeful things you do right or wrong. It's not sins that keep you from God. It's the sin nature. It's the fact that you were all uh, unsaved. You were all corrupted because you were born. We're all, because of one man's sin, everybody's corrupted. Therefore, everyone must get saved through Christ. So that's the basis of salvation and righteousness. Everyone has sinned. No one is better than another in the eyes of God necessarily. You must all receive Jesus and then you're all just as righteous. It's a mystery, but that's how it is. So it didn't seem like it, but Patrick is just as righteous as me. You still in the front row? Let me see who I need to pick on. We all know Chuma's name from the other day. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Uh, we're going to read. Uh, well, let's read here verse 16. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip some for later, but verse 16, Paul says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. First, of all, first of all, you see that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, neither should you be. You're going to have to find ways to not be ashamed of the gospel, right? That's one reason those tracts will help you not be ashamed, okay? Just hand out a piece of paper. You don't have to be Mr. Preacher. Just hand out pieces of paper to everybody. That'll get you through. Don't be ashamed. Well, that's just so embarrassing. Well, do it anyway. Or give it to your kids. They're not embarrassed to share Christ. They love Jesus. They're glad to be saved. Let your kids go preach Christ. <clears throat> Somehow you got to get yourself through the, the ashamedness. Listen, it's not, it's not you that's supposed to be ashamed. Sinners are supposed to be ashamed. It's the heathen that are really ashamed. They make fun of you now thinking that they're on the top. In the last day, they'll be ashamed. Shame and everlasting contempt is the destiny of a sinner. They stand before God, they're shamed, con condemned. Not you. So don't be ashamed now. Don't be ashamed living uprightly, living holy, being a Christian, being the outcast, being different than everybody. Don't be ashamed of that. Stand tall for that. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody at school, teenager, somebody at school makes fun of, yeah, yeah, he goes to, he goes to church, he won't even, that's right. Glory to God. That's me. Anybody want to have what I have? Come see me. 
Come to church. Something. Or if you're not bold like that, I mean, you could be, but if you're not, just hand them out. I know. That's right. That's right. I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. I love all y'all. He's a goody goody. He's a goody goody. That's right. That's right. I'm good. I'm good. You're not. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Get some, get some courage in you. Listen, come on. All teenagers, all middle school kids, all children need some courage. Find out who you are in Christ and it'll make you bold to, to, to live for God. Like peer, peers don't get to pressure you. Friends don't get to pressure you with all sorts of sarcasm and putting you down. And so, and when I was a kid, being a goody goody was not a good thing. He's a goody goody. That means you won't do anything wrong. That's right. I'm going to stand before Jesus. I'll get the rewards. But you got to learn that in church and your parents have to remind you of that. And, and you parents need to be reminded of that, that this is what it's all about. You're not missing stuff in the world. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So like I said, Jesus did not explain these things. That's why the book of Romans is important. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. The gospel is the power. Jesus didn't preach the gospel. Excuse me. He didn't preach the gospel of Christ. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now we preach the gospel of Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus wasn't preaching. It never says gospel of Christ that he preached. He preached the kingdom of God. <clears throat> but now that he's sacrificed and gone, now we preach the kingdom and we preach all things concerning Jesus Christ. Now it's the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is the power. All right. So you need to know that this gospel is not just churchy stuff. It's the power of God. This good news carries with it power. When you tell somebody they can be saved, there's power there. When you tell them they can be healed, there's power there. You just have to put the two together, that there's power when the gospel is preached to change lives. Never underestimate your sentence that you're about to say. When you tell a sinner something, there's power in that. You look at somebody thinking, there's no way that they're going to be interested in what I'm about to say. Say it anyway. There's power in it. Listen, all of you were pretty hopeless looking. Look, if you got saved and as an adult, especially, you were pretty hopeless looking. Like there's no, I mean, there's no way that you would ever want to be saved, right? Till the gospel changes you. Till the gospel is spoken and it touches your heart and then God gets hold of you. Never underestimate a scripture. Don't ever underestimate a word that you're about to say. There's power in the word. Hallelujah. And if you'll get somebody saved, the power of God to heal them will be present as well. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. To the Jew first because God promised, prophesied, predicted, I'm sending you a new covenant. I'm sending you the Messiah. It was to them first. And now it's to everyone. Salvation is now opened up to the Gentiles. Now verse 17 it's kind of a weird way to say it, but it says in it, in this gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. 
As it's written, the just shall live by faith. Now, you've heard us say that many times. The just shall live by faith. That means we live by what we believe. We live by this faith. Righteousness of God is revealed from faith. Like you have to be, you have to have faith before you understand righteousness. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ before you understand that you're right with God. Nobody, if you haven't, if someone has not received Jesus, they don't feel right with God. I don't care how many candles they light in the house. No, nobody feels right with God until they receive Jesus Christ. Righteousness is revealed only after you have faith in Jesus Christ. It's revealed from faith to faith. It's a weird way to say it almost. From faith, it's revealed to faith. We could say to a life of faith. As it's written, the just live by faith. So now that you're right with God, your righteousness is revealed as you live by faith. Or we could say righteousness is revealed from step of faith to step of faith. Every time you do something with God, every time you believe God, receive a promise from God, or obey God's voice, your righteousness is revealed to you. In church, you get saved. Oh, I feel something's different. You just experienced his righteousness. Tomorrow you obey God and his presence comes. His righteousness was just revealed to you. Meaning your right standing with God is felt. Every time you pray in tongues, that takes faith. Do you realize praying in tongues takes faith? But every time you do it, it shows that you're right with God. Every time you do it, it's proof the Holy Spirit is still with you. Righteousness is revealed. Every time I hear the voice of his spirit, every time I, I follow the leading that God's put on me, I feel right with God. I feel like, wow, I'm partners with God. Every time you pray for something and it happens, huh, right, I'm right with God. It, it shows me once again, he's with me. Wow, I'm right with God. Hallelujah. Jovan just testified this morning, she goes to a, a certain hairdresser, which a lot of people have their favorite, uh, and it's like for life because it, you always feel guilty if you don't go back to them, right? <clears throat> but sometimes you, you, you got to know when to uh, hold them and when to fold. I mean, you got to know, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to know, you got to know when to follow the Holy Spirit and not do something that is normal. And so she got, had this lady. She didn't want to go there. She, she went somewhere else. She just felt like, but on the way, she's feeling a little bit guilty. Like, oh, I'm supposed to go to the same one I've always had. But she just felt like I got to go somewhere else. Well, she goes and ends up getting to minister to the lady who had just gotten saved, was about to dabble in sin again. By the time Jovan's gone, the lady's like, I'm so glad you came. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's... And then so, so Jovan gets to, she gets to drive home feeling like a partner with God. That's called righteousness is revealed. That's called, I just, I did something by faith and it was right and real with God. He's with me. Listen, and that's worth everything. For your life and my life, that's worth everything. To hear God's voice to know that you're partnering, to know that he's involved in every little detail, it's worth everything. It, it, it's, it's the reason that you want to turn to him. 
It's the reason what you want to live close to him. It's the reason you'll take the ridicule at school. Make no mistake about it. Jesus, the holiest one of all, was persecuted, hated. And he said, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're going to have to take it. Because having God with you is way better. It's, it's the most important thing in your whole life to hear God's voice, to follow his spirit, to know that he's partnered with you and you with him. It's more important than anything. It's more important than money. It's more important than money. It's more important than money and money and money to know God's with you. If you had all the money in the world with no closeness to God, it wouldn't mean anything. It's more important than anything. So some people say, why is this understanding righteousness so important? Because it's worth everything. It's worth Jesus Christ, the son of God. He died so you can be right with God. To know that you're right with God is the best feeling ever. It's better than any amount of food, any amount of uh, liquid. It's better than any, anything that would make you feel good. It's better than that. You do have to stay close to the reality of it. So you're going to have to read Romans. You're going to have to study Romans. You're going to have to let the preacher preach a book of the Bible. Book, a whole book of the Bible? Yeah, I'm sorry. I hate to bring the Bible into it, but this is how you get life. This is how you get change to happen in your life. I just don't know how I could ever stop. I don't know how I could ever stop that lifestyle. Well, you, you can't. If you don't get any power, if you don't get any truth in you, you won't have no power. But once you see the truth, it'll empower you. Hallelujah. I remember uh, a couple years ago, we were reading a portion of scripture and I was teaching on something particular and I stopped, I stopped right before Ephesians 5.18. I think I stopped at Ephesians 5.17 and uh, went on with the lesson. Well, somebody in the church read the next verse just because it was sitting in front of him and it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. I wasn't even teaching on that. Didn't even mention it. Changed his life. He went home, threw away his alcohol. So that's it. I, I, didn't, I didn't exactly know that. Now I see it. Bam. He's got power now. Changed his life. There's power in this gospel. You got to be open to it. You do have to hunger and thirst, but there's power in it. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to have to take steps of faith to steps of faith. I can wave at people if I want to. Glory to God. Now, what I want you to see, though, is that because some people have gotten stuck in the red letters. Does your, does your Bible have red letters in it? Uh, does your, uh, your digital Bibles have red letter? Okay. Don't, don't get misled by the red letters like they're more important than everything else. Don't do that. Don't do that. Matter of fact, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be in a different color. It just helps you see the exact things Jesus said in the earth. But he said way more things than he said in the earth. So don't elevate red letter over everything else. Red letter set up this new covenant, but all the other words are from him and they establish everything. They explain everything. They, they bring it to us. And so don't discredit these letters written after. I remember I led someone to Christ uh, 25 years ago. I was playing a video game when they first came out where you could play people around the world. And so I'm playing this, I'm playing, ended up playing with this guy from, from the Netherlands. And people, 
I think I've lost half the crowd. They're like, oh my gosh. I've been trying to tell my kids to quit playing videos so much, video games so much. Now listen, if you're going to play video games, use it. This is before you can actually talk to people, but I'm playing against this guy on, on the, this game and preaching the gospel, seeing if he's saved. He's from the Netherlands. I'm preaching the gospel and he's typing back. He's an atheist preaching the gospel during the game. Forget the game. Who cares? <laughs> he's an atheist. Doesn't believe, thinks it's all nonsense. I explained to him just the very core of the thing. And he says, okay, what do I do? Simple as that. I helped him receive Christ. He got saved. He's a Dutch fella. He got saved over the seas. He became my friend. He started listening. He started learning. He started trying to, I tried to help him find a spirit filled church. He, he went to one and he said, I can't do all that. I'm not like that. They're bouncing around, jumping around. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. But he's, he's turned into an evangelist preaching to his, not, not a, not a full time trying to, trying to win his family to Christ, arguing with his parents about Jesus. <laughs> but about a year or two later, I found out that he couldn't get past Matthew. He loved Matthew so much he wouldn't read anything else. I'm like, you have to read the whole thing. He just couldn't get past Matthew. You can't live a Christian life if you just stick in the gospels, you gotta move on. So that was my story. So if, you, if your kid's gonna play video games, show them how to preach the gospel or let them let you jump in and preach the gospel to all their friends. <laughs> Embarrass them. If, that, if they're embarrassed to share Christ, so be it. <clears throat> um, so you got to move on. Okay, so because Jesus didn't explain salvation, uh, he, he didn't give any how-tos, only the framework, okay? That's why Jesus, I mean, that's why James and John wanted to call fire from heaven. They didn't understand righteousness. They didn't understand that this gospel's for all sinners. They wanted to call fire from heaven. Uh, it's why they didn't want Jesus talking about dying on the cross. Jesus said, I got to, you know, in three days, uh, this temple's going to be destroyed. And, no, 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 don't, don't, no, 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 no. Far be it. You're not going to die. They didn't understand that he had to die so they could be righteous. So because there was no revelation of righteousness before the cross, it had to happen after the cross. Make sense? Jesus never, he never really talked about inward righteousness, except when he said the Pharisees have a show of doing right, but on the inside they're ravenous wolves and an empty, an empty uh, casket, basically, empty tomb with dry bones inside. But for the most part, what Jesus did was talk about outward obedience. He didn't talk about inward righteousness because nobody could understand that. All they understood was law, so he explained things using the law. <clears throat> he never explained him in us. Jesus never explained Christ in you, the hope of glory. All he did was say in his prayer to God, God, be in me, I mean, be in them as you're in me, I in them and you in them, that we all may be one. Remember that? He prayed that. He never explained it. That was not his message to the disciples nor to the Jews. His message to them was, get ready, I'm about to die for you. But, but Paul explains that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't hear any of that until after the cross. 
just want you to understand how important these letters are. Jesus did say we're supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst after it. He did say that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He just didn't explain it fully. Why is, why is righteousness so important? Well, because righteousness will change your life. Righteousness will make you bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. What does that mean? That means if a, if a lion was walking down the street towards you, what would you do? No, crikey, crikey, no. <clears throat> if a lion was walking down the street to you, a righteous person would not run. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to show you this. If, once you know how righteous you are, you'll be unafraid. Honestly, you would not be afraid. You, you could be Daniel in the lion's den. You could be Shadrach, Meshach. Once you know you're right with God, I'm not, I'm not scared. You're walking at night down your street. You don't even need a stick. Ladies, you wouldn't even need to be concerned at all. Once you know how right you are, it changes everything. Because you know God's with you. He's in you. His promises secure you. His favor encompasses around you like a shield. So your first thought would be, I'm going to pet him. Okay, I know you have a hard time with that one. Let's say a thug, let's say it looks like a group of thugs is headed toward me. Once you know you're right with God, what you're thinking is, how many tracks do I got? Do I have enough for all of them? You're preparing yourself to present God to him. You're not scared at all. If you don't know you're righteous, you're a little, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Praying in tongues and getting all nervous. But if you know you're righteous, now, if, if, if you are nervous, pray in tongues. But just learn that there's another place for you. Jesus was righteous, and he knew it. And he could sleep in the boat when there was a storm. He was never scared. He was unafraid of anything. No demons scared him. No sickness scared him. No opinion scared him because he knew he was righteous. Once you know you're righteous... You'll make people mad because they can't move you and offend you and mess you around. Okay, when you know you're righteous, it just changes everything. This is why it's so important. You'll have peace in your life. Listen, when you, when you know you're right with God and when you're living right, you'll have peace in your life. Really. Right, the Bible says in, in, in Psalm 85, righteousness and peace have kissed. Mercy and truth are met together. They go together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. When you know you're right, you have peace. That's one reason why it's such a wonderful, wonderful feeling to be totally at peace, knowing that I'm with God. He's on my couch with me. He accepts me, loves me. I'm not anxious. I'm not feeling condemned from yesterday. I don't feel like I'm behind all the time. When you know you're righteous, you're not behind. You don't feel, you don't feel behind all the time. Amen. If you're not really walking with God closely and you don't know that you're righteous, you're going to have to take anxiety medication. 
I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying that's the, how are you going to have peace in your life? The world has several means to having peace and contentment and forgetting the roughness of this world. God gives you righteousness and that causes peace. You got to understand this. You got to at least believe me enough to hunger and thirst after it. It'll change your life. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 32 verse 17 says, the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. How many of you need some quietness in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you do. I know you do. Listen, the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. Teenagers, listen, you need righteousness because the effect of it is quietness and assurance. If you're stuck in your cell phone, social media, you're not going to have enough quietness. You got to disconnect. You got to find God. You got to know how right you are with God. Lay there, sit there for an hour, eyes closed or open. Look at the birds, look at the trees, chill out and know that you're accepted by God. Don't do things during the week that disturb your inner peace. Don't violate your conscience. This is where you keep messing up. You violate your conscience a little, it plants a seed. And then all of a sudden you're disturbed and all of a sudden you're more focused on that seed and then you end up sinning and then you feel really bad again. You're going to have to be careful. You've got to protect your righteousness. Or we could say you've got to protect your sense of righteousness. That's why living right matters. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Listen, these words matter. These words matter. Get them in your heart. Focus on these instead of all the things that cause anxiety. If you become righteous, you'll have power. If you know you're righteous, you'll really have power. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, makes tremendous power. Your prayers will work if you know you're righteous. Everyone who receives Jesus is righteous. But if you don't know it, you won't have power. You just won't. The old-fashioned way to think was there's only a few people that are righteous. That's the old-fashioned way to think, that only a few people are righteous. No, the New Testament says all of us have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. That he is our righteousness. He's our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. He is my righteousness. I'm not good totally on my own, but in him I'm right. So you have to learn that so you feel that. So you don't walk around feeling like a dirty, rotten sinner all the time. The old slogan from some of the denominational churches back in the olden days was we're, we're all sinners saved by grace. And I don't know why it goes down to the best part. We're just sinners saved by grace. No. We were sinners and now we're saved by grace. 
We were sinners. And now we're saints, saved by grace. That's how the New Covenant, that's how the New Testament denotes believers in Christ. Saints, not sinners. So if your testimony is we're all sinners saved by grace, your lifestyle does not look very obedient. It just means you're, you're sin conscious. Okay, I'll get off that for a moment. Okay. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So, uh, the most important uh, preacher that you'll need to learn from aside from Jesus Christ himself, uh, is Paul the Apostle. Some of you guests were thinking, first time guests, oh my gosh. (laughs) The most important preacher you need to learn from is Paul the Apostle. So out of all the good preachers, hopefully you recognize, okay, and I I really, and Paul, and and I really make, I got to make sure I understand Paul. He's the best Christian example we have. He's the best minister example we have. And so we're going to have to learn from Paul. Uh, One of the the great Assembly of God uh, theologians uh, who knew 32 different languages, understood Greek and Hebrew perfectly. Uh, He even preached out of the Greek Bible. His name was P.C. Nelson. But he wrote the doctrines for the the Assembly of God. Uh, He said this, he said, no great preacher, and I would say believer, no great preacher or believer has risen to bless the people of God who has not lighted his torch at the flame kindled by Paul. Like nobody's fired up for God without Paul's instruction. And there might be an exception, but let's just get real here. You can't go very far if you don't get the revelation that Jesus gave through the heart of Paul by the Holy Ghost. Even after 2,000 years Preaching in a thousand languages and hundreds of thousands, there are hundreds of thousands of puppets around the world quoting the Apostle Paul. Paul's letters are the advanced teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And then he goes to heaven and sends gifts unto men. And that's why you need preachers in your life. Teachers, preachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists. You need them in your life because Jesus gave them to the church so that you can be edified. Oh, no, I'll just do it on my own with the Bible. Well, that's a good start. But Jesus' plan was to make you sit in blue chairs like an hour a week. Two hours a week if you want to double it up. Another guy said that Paul's letters contained the thoughts that Jesus carried away from this world unuttered. Praise the Lord. So, got to learn. And, and, and the book of Romans is, is one of the foundational books. It's one of my favorite books. That and Hebrews, two, my, probably my two favorite New Testament books. Because they explain things. I mean, there's benefits from all the letters uh, in the New Testament. But those two explain things. So, you're going to need to learn them. So, we're going to go through it. Um, this month. 
But right now, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 3. Let me just give you a little flyby. Romans chapter 3 here. So the two main points of the book of Romans are justification by faith alone, righteousness and salvation. Uh, And then the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness. So the wrath of God is a big, heavy subject. And then it's all of a sudden the, the, the uh, cure for it is salvation through Jesus Christ. You understand? But you need to feel the weight. You have to feel the weight of the wrath of God so that your salvation feels valuable. If the plane, okay, if you're, if, anybody ever flown in an airplane? Uh, if they ever walked by and handed you a parachute, you're sitting there nice and comfortable drinking your coffee and they say, here, would you like to wear a parachute? No, thanks. Comfortable. No problem, right? But if the plane's going down and they offer you a parachute, it's very welcomed. So that's why you need to understand the wrath of God is, is coming for every sinner. And then you can value why Jesus is so necessary. So you do have to understand both sides of it to value what you got. Like you don't value your air condition in the winter. <laughs> Romans chapter three, let's just take a, a little step through here. Now, Uh, you can use this for helping someone get saved so they can see some of this progression. They call it the Roman road. We've got it in our call of the Christian book. It's a one way to help people understand enough to be saved using the Bible. Just a few scriptures, walk them right through, bam, bam, bam. You don't have to remember anything. Just uh, have them circled in your your Bible. Romans chapter three, but I'm gonna add a, a few more teaching points in there. Romans chapter three, verse nine says, what then are we better than they? Not at all, for we've previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they're all under sin. So are Jews better than Greeks? No, Jews better than Gentiles. Jews better than, no, no, everybody's equal. Everybody's under sin. Jews used to be God's chosen people. Now, Christians, those who believe in Jesus are God's chosen people. You have to understand this. Nothing between Jews and Gentiles uh, elevates one over the other at all anymore. You need to know that. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. None righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside, have, come, uh, have, have together become unprofitable. None that does good, no, not one. They're thro- throat to, so he goes on this little passage here of all these people that just look like they're heathens, right? Nobody's righteous. Well, that's true. And, and what you see is that the book of Romans chapter one, two, and three really are showing that weight of ungodliness experiencing God's wrath. And then Romans chapter three, verse 21 is going to balance it back out or really take it the opposite way. Make sense? Probably not. Okay. <clears throat> Everyone is a sinner in the same bucket. Remember the parable Jesus told two Pharisees came or two came and one was a Pharisee and he said, I, I, I do good. I, I give tithes of all that I possess. I fast twice a week. 
I'm not a sinner like this fella. People do that today, don't they? Well, I'm not so bad. I don't think I need to be saved. I'm not so bad. I'm a pretty good person. Don't lie, cheat, and steal, and cuss too much. Just a little. Haven't ever killed anybody. Well, except that one time. People weigh themselves against others. It's like, oh, no, I'm not so bad. I'm pretty good. I think God will let me in. No, no, no. Everybody's a sinner. None righteous. No, no. What you think is righteous, you're just filthy rags. He's going to quote something from the Old Testament. Filthy rags. Everybody's self-righteousness is just filthy. Not clean enough for God at all. But then Jesus commends the, the fellow that says, be merciful to me, a sinner. You have to recognize you're a sinner. You have to uh, humble yourself. No matter how good you think you are, you're not good enough. None of us are. That's the, that's the point here. <clears throat> Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. The whole world is guilty before God. The whole world is guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So no matter how much law, Moses law keeping you try, you're still guilty before God. You got it? No matter how many rules you obey, or no matter how many commands you keep, no matter how obedient you are, without Christ, no one is righteous, all guilty. Okay. Verse 21, but now, so Romans 1, 2, 3 is the before now. Verse 21 is the now. So before verse 21, there was none righteous. Not even the best Pharisee was righteous. All guilty, but now. Changes everything. This is where it changes. Now new covenant starts. New covenant explanation starts. Romans 1, 2, and 3, explaining the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The wrath of God is coming for everybody or everybody's headed toward it. Because none are righteous. But now, the righteousness of God without the law or apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there's no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So now, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ has been revealed. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So now you see it. Before, none righteous. Now, the righteousness of God comes through Christ alone, not through the law. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is, justified, which is made righteous, same word, justified and righteous. Therefore, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's what you all need. We all need peace with God. Comes through Jesus Christ alone. Look at verse 8. God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you while you were a sinner. Don't clean up your life in order to get saved. Get saved first. While you're a sinner, he saved you. Don't ever feel like, well, I need to clean up everything so that I can then become righteous. No, he makes you righteous while you were a sinner. He died for you. 
while you were a sinner. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. How many would like to be saved from the wrath of God? Let me just, let me just note the wrath of God. Everybody understand what the wrath of God is. Well, it's bad. Just it's bad. The wrath of God is bad. It's eternally bad for you. Oh, but you're saved from it. Everybody say it out loud. Say, I am saved from the wrath of God. I will never experience the wrath of God. I'm saved from wrath through Christ. Beautiful. Praise the Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is the wrath of God. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You got it? This is how you can help a sinner if you want. Show them you have to die and be eternally separated from God unless you receive the gift of God. Chapter 8. Well, chapter 7 is the, uh, describes the law after the inward man, the outward man's actions versus the inward man's righteousness. There's always a little conflict there. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. That's where you and I don't have to ever live feeling guilty before God. If you blow it, you admit it, you confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of unrighteousness. There's no judgment, no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. Then it says, who do not walk according to the flesh. Yeah, you can't be a carnal Christian and still feel it, but there's no condemnation to you if you're in Christ. Go to chapter 10. Verse four, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He's the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. People say, you know, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Yeah, but he ended it too. He's the end of the law. So after Christ, you don't need the law. You understand? He did not destroy the law. He fulfilled it. That was a big deal. But then he ended it. He's the end of the Old Testament law. Now we're in the new. He ended the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And what, but notice that, that term, he's the end of the law for righteousness. So when we say the law is over, not, not the moral part, like thou shalt not kill still counts. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife matters big in church. The moral commands are still alive through Christ, but obeying the law to be right is over. Obeying the law to be right with God is over. That's the big change. That's the big difference. In the Old Testament, they had to obey all these commands in order to be right or called righteous. 
Now we don't have to obey anything in order to be right. Except receive Jesus. You have to obey that part. You have to receive Christ and then you're right with God. So for righteousness, you don't need the rules. Just need Christ. Then we'll give you the instructions. After you become righteous through Christ, then we're going to hand you this New Testament and let you read all the instructions. And believe me, thou shalt not kill and covet your neighbor's wife is in there. What's not in there are food laws, what you can't eat, what you can't eat, Sabbath laws, what you got to do on the Saturday. None of that's in the New Testament because Christ ended all of those ceremonial and civil duties for righteousness. All right, we're going to end here with Romans 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We quote this all the time. It needs to be in your heart, sure. But here's where it's at. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's very important to recognize he didn't say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, obey all the 613 commands, 613 commands, uh, you will be saved. It just, it just has those two. That's the two things you got to do. You got to believe in your heart and you got to say it with your mouth and go to church all the time and not think bad about the preacher. I wish that was in there. Let me make a note. Uh, verse 10, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fairly simple, right? All have sinned and come short. But while you were sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But if anybody calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Simple, simple structure. We're all headed for hell, destined for eternity without God, but through Christ, we can all be saved. Amen. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.